Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm David. All right, we're going to start this week with some feedback from previous episodes. Uh, We actually had an email that we didn't notice from uh, back in June. Uh, And Inyash, did you want to introduce that? Sure, I can read this. Uh, Nathan, should it? Yeah, it's not his last name. Nathan says, "I just recently finished finished episode seven. In it, you all cheered the recent decision extending Title Seven protections to LGBT people. I was not surprised to hear Wesley and Inyash supported this, but I was more surprised to hear also David's support. It's not that I thought libertarians are against LGBT people on some moral grounds, but aren't they against anti-discrimination laws on economic and private property grounds? It is my understanding that ANCAPs want no government." Failing that, they want as little government as possible in as few places as possible. So would not the growth of government power, or at least its extension to a new set of people and instances, to dictate rules on hiring, firing, and servicing be seen as a bad thing? Uh, Yeah, so this is a good comment. I want to say I did actually go back and listen to episode 7, and my point was less that this is good on the merits and more that it was good because... It was evidence of, um, of, uh, what's his name? The Supreme Court guy, uh, Gorsuch, like, having a principled moral philosophy besides whatever the dear leader wants him to support, um, uh, in the, uh, in the words of that one guy from the Big Lebowski, say what you will about the tenets of national socialism, at least it's an ethos, um, so yeah, it was mostly just me being glad that Gorsuch had a spine. Uh, but also, I did want to address the point on the merits, because I think anti-discrimination laws are not the worst things that governments do. Um, like, I think most things, possibly everything government does is bad, but I think there's some things that are worse than others. So like... Obviously, the worst involves murdering people, uh, mostly brown people, whether it be in wars or, um, shall we say, over-enthusiastic police officers. Uh, But there's also things they do that aren't that bad. And um, suffice it to say that um, anti-discrimination laws would be one of the last things on the chopping block uh, if we were ranking everything government does from least bad to worst, um, or worst to least bad, because uh, it can just provide a useful shelling point. Um, like, uh, it, if there's someone who is themselves not racist, but they live in a racist society where they would lose business for hiring black people, it can provide them useful cover. So I do think that of the things government does, anti-discrimination laws has one of the better principled arguments for why it should continue doing it. Uh, so yeah, it's not ideal, but the world we live in is not ideal in a lot of ways, and anti-discrimination law is one of the... Uh, closer to ideal things the government does all right we also had uh Rezella on discord share a study that i will link in the show notes and this was in response to my troop deployment about how we shouldn't worry the kids are missing school because uh all that's gonna happen is they won't be as good as at school 
And what the study showed, it was an Argentina study that uh, looked at what happened to kids when there was a teacher's strike. And it showed that that uh, missing school because of a teacher's strike had long-term effects going into their their 30s and 40s. Uh, but I saw this. First of all, it was Argentina, not America. Um, and my comment was limited to American schools. I don't know what they're teaching their kids in Argentina. It may actually be useful. Um, but also that almost uh, from what I could tell of the study, um, and I, you know, I don't do this, so I, I couldn't my interpretation might not be perfect, but it looked to me like um, the entire effect was that kids who missed school did worse in school and uh, graduated at lower rates and went on to higher education at lower rates. And that is why you saw the effects on income and other measures of well-being. It was all downstream from academic achievement. Um, so I don't think that contradicts my point that missing school only makes you worse at school. Yeah, I uh, took a um, an economics of education seminar with Brian Kaplan the semester after his book came out, um, which was also after this study came out. I can't. I remember he talked about the study. I remember he found it unconvincing. I can't remember why, which I am sorry about because obviously that's the juicy part, but. Uh, yeah, I uh, suffice it to say that there are problems with this study. I just can't remember what they are right now. And being good at school, even if it's only used for stupid signaling, is you know could still be important for the signaling itself. If employers look at those signals. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, so it's not to say that uh, this isn't going to have any effect on kids because it it very well may do that. Um, I just don't want it to undercut, uh, you know, the thing I'm always preaching, which is that school is, uh, not a good use of children's time or society's resources. Um, but you know, in the world that we live in, any individual student should, you know, uh, if they're not, if they're going to go to school, should try to, you know, achieve as much as they can because it is, there is a wage premium on a high school education, a college degree, and everything else. Um, so it's in an individual's best interest to do as well as they can. Yeah, but uh, if Brian's right, then education is a positional good. Uh, the benefits to education come not from having more education, but from having more education than the next guy. And that means that we should stop subsidizing education because... Subsidizing positional goods is like throwing money in a hole and then filling in the hole. Uh, I believe Scott Alexander has a post about this, um, which I imagine we'll link in the show notes. Against tulip <laughs> subsidies, I believe he called it. And we had uh, another thing from the last episode that Eniash, I think you wanted to talk about. Yeah, uh, it, from what uh, I saw, uh, it looks like the when we said that the post office was being deliberately sabotaged uh, by Donald Trump, that that's not entirely correct. Uh, apparently, the postmaster general is appointed by committee, uh, three Republicans and a Democrat, and they voted unanimously on the current postmaster general, who was the head of a logistics company before this. Um, so he has some experience with making things more efficient, I guess, uh, and Reportedly, the mail sorting machines that are being taken out are being uh, swapped for uh, newer ones because they sort older types of mail which aren't used as much nowadays. 
And uh, that, yes, you, the United States Post Office is, in fact, being defunded a lot, and that is bad. But it isn't specifically about Trump trying to sabotage something. It's been a long-term Republican plan for uh, many, many years. And he's just, you know, jumping on the same train he always does for clicks and retweets and shit. And I don't, ne- I don't really uh, necessarily agree with that. Um, Trump is what what he is doing, um, and certainly what he was doing two weeks ago was threatening to veto any COVID relief bill that included USPS funding. And as he admitted on TV, he he's doing that because he doesn't want mail-in voting to be an option. Um, so there are all these problems at the post office. There is. Um, there are backlogs of mail that are being caused by um, the cut overtime that we talked about last episode, and Trump is blocking the funds that would go to rectifying that. Uh, there's also um, the postal unions, as of earlier this week, are still saying that mail is severely backing up in some places because of all the new rules. And the former vice chairman of the Postal Board, Board of Governors testified to Congress that Steve Mnuchin uh, is exercising substantial influence over the post office and he's using it for political purposes. Uh, so I think I don't think we're sounding alarm bells too loudly on that. I think there is political fuckery going on with the post office. And I think it is about the election and Trump not wanting mail in ballots. Um, so I, I, I stand by what we said in the previous episode. And I think that it is uh, a real issue yeah i'll just say that uh ken white from pope hat and uh, all the president's lawyers thought that bill barr would be a decent um uh decent attorney general and he beefed that one real bad so uh this person was plausibly someone that some committee might have thought was good at their jobs is perfectly compatible with this person is a Trump hatchet man who's probably going to be in jail in five years. That's very fair. (laughs) All right. On to our news stories. Top story. The conventions happened. The Democrat one and the Republican one. They were very long infomercials, and I did not watch them and did not plan on watching them and do not care. Uh, Does anyone have anything to say about the conventions? Uh, no. David, would you like to start? Okay. <laughs> I basically uh, I, I agree. I will say, I, yeah, so I, I did, um, I, I was amused by the uh, amount of ass-kissery that went on the first night of the RNC, and just generally how, like, the RNC has had, like, they, they had a, um, like, an all-hail-the-dear-leader vibe, and then that clearly got focus grouped into oblivion. Um, and then I, I haven't, like, watched the whole thing from start to finish. This is just, like, highlights and what Nor I've seen you. Uh, people talking about. But, uh, yeah, it, I, I love how on the third night they, like, that was the night they trotted out the token women of color. Um, and just generally how the the Trump family has been so plastered all over the walls and oh dear god Ivanka Trump is just such a hot mess of a human being and ugh so yeah the RNC was bad the DNC was also bad but not as bad uh the DNC was just kind of a nothing burger it was very much like trying to be as inoffensive as possible uh I will say though 
Barack Obama, I have some problems with the policies he implemented, but goddamn, is he a good speaker? Um, if you're a <laughs> if you are a fan of good speeches delivered well, I would recommend you watch his speech. Like he he peeled the pain off the walls without raising his voice. It was pretty beautiful to behold. So on my end, um, with the conventions, yeah, I haven't watched them in I don't even know how many years, because, like you said, they're a stupidly long infomercial that is just so tedious to watch. Uh, the one interesting thing that I did think happened during the conventions was something I just found out about uh, earlier today. Um, when he was leaving this convention on, I believe, the 28th of August, Rand Paul and his wife were surrounded by protesters who wouldn't let them move, like just solid stack of bodies around them they had to just stop and uh get yelled at for for a while um apparently according to Rand paul's wife anyway a lot of expletives uh, a lot of anger the video shows the i mean no one got physical but yeah it, it definitely seemed like a scary situation they were demanding that he say somebody's name who i later found out is the person who was killed in a no-knock raid a few weeks ago and who Rand Paul authored the bill uh, named after her to make those illegal. So really, they were targeting the very worst person, <laughs> if that was their issue. Uh, but yeah, they were stuck there being yelled at until the police showed up and formed a small little cordon around them and escorted them to their hotel, which was, I don't know, I just, I, I, I've never been a fan of political violence and it isn't getting to violence yet but this seems to be more and more common where just mobs will attack uh people and i don't like it yeah i don't like it either um mostly because political violence is a, an asymmetric weapon or is it a symmetric weapon yes. i forget which one's uh, the bad one symmetric weapons are the bad ones unless you buy the arguments from asymmetric weapons out of control or whatever it's called yeah, it's a symmetric weapon, which just means that either side can use it just as effectively. Um, and the side that's that's less wrong uh, will not tend to prevail. Um, so I'm not a fan of that kind of thing. Um, and Eniosh, I know you're duty-bound to defend Rand Paul, because he's one of the two senators who voted against FOSTA-SESTA. Exactly. So, God, like, it, there's, there's so many other senators you could be harassing, you know? Uh, but probably Especially don't do that at, at the RNC. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, I don't like Rand Paul. I think he's pretty much a party hack, but he does, you know, in terms of Republican Party hacks, he's not the worst one. Yeah, he's one of the least bad ones. So go go swarm Mitch McConnell. I have trouble feeling bad <laughs> for him, even though that I don't support that tactic, but if you're going to do it, do it to Mitch McConnell. <laughs> Interesting disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean... You know, um, so what the, the one thing I thought was notable from the conventions is that the Republicans this year didn't even bother making a party platform. So when I heard this the first few times, I thought it was just the typical hyperbole like, oh, the Republicans didn't even, even make a platform this year. And uh, and it turned out that it's literally true. Yes, they. So at these conventions, generally uh, every other convention in modern history. Um, the parties come out with a platform that says, okay, here are all the policies we support. Here's what the party stands for. And this year, they just basically said, uh, but it's the same as 2016. 
Um, and then when like individual senators uh, or representatives would get asked about it, and it was the the answers were just like, well, our you know, it's to make America great again or to support the president. That's our platform, and it is. You got to give them points for honesty because that really is the Republican Party platform. Uh, it's just you know, do do whatever Trump wants, and also tax cuts for the rich. I would give them points for honesty if they, like, actually came out and said their actual position, which is, all hail the dear leader. Like, I mean, honestly, that's really close not, to what they said, though. If, if there's not a, like, Mao Zedong portrait-sized picture of Donald Trump looking out over Lafayette Square, then I'm not giving them any points for honesty. All right, fair enough. Um... But I wanted to, and I'll share this in the show notes, I wanted to highlight a, uh, a David Frum piece that he wrote at The Atlantic, which was he sketched out what would have been an honest Republican platform. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't have much on there that I disagree with. It does seem to be what the, uh, the Republicans sta- are standing for right now. Oh, I looked through it. It looks kind of straw manny, doesn't it? I see. I don't, I, I think maybe, like, it's not, it's, I think it's the Bailey. It's not the Mott. So I don't think it's straw manny because I think it's actually what the Republican Party supports. Um, but at the same time, they certainly wouldn't come out and say that. That's a really easy argument to make when you're straw manning your opponent. Yeah, I think you could make a similar thing about the Democratic Party, which, I mean... Oh, you absolutely could. Be, yeah. And I'd probably true. defend that one, too. <laughs> yeah, right. But there's, there's, it's certainly not looking at things charitably. No, it is not. But I think it is looking at things realistically. Um, you know, the top line is that the most important mechanism of economic policy is adjusting the burden of taxation on society's richest citizens, which I think ha- there is a 30-year case that that is the number one priority of the Republican Party and their, their number one most sacred belief. Um, and that's the sort of thing they wouldn't say out loud, but just if you look at what they've done they, they've done trump accomplished nothing he was completely inept at everything he tried to do and yet he still managed to get a big tax cut for the rich through and every republic every time republicans have been in power that's the one thing they've definitely managed to get done uh so i think that's totally fair to put that on them um and the rest of it we'll put it in the show notes you can look it over and uh, hit us on uh, – you can email us or uh, come on the Discord and tell us uh, that you think it's a straw man and you think it's fair, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll read the best responses next show. Oh, we're doing audience participation. I mean, we always do audience participation. It's just the audience doesn't always participate. <laughs> it's always <laughs> the thing I like best about Renaissance Fair shows. They got the audience participated. I'm getting sidetracked. Let's keep going. <laughs> It's my least favorite thing about Renaissance Fair shows. Seriously? <laughs> oh, I hate audience participation. Oh, that's the reason you go to those things. They get the whole audience involved, and it feels like a communal ritual. It's so much fun. All right. Well, maybe I'll go to your uh, your Renaissance Fair. Oh, heck yeah. Although, if you don't like those things, you probably still wouldn't like it. Oh, no, I like Renaissance Fairs. Well, I mean, you wouldn't like going to see the shows that with me if I were to do that. You'd probably wander we'll off. See. We'll see. All right. Anyway, um... All right, so next next story. I don't have a lot to say about this, um, but I wanted to acknowledge it, um, that Jacob Blake was shot by police officers, well, a police officer in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, 
and there have been a lot of protests. There have been some rioting. Um, I watched the video, and it looks, to me, completely unjustified. Um, it's a police officer following him around the car at gunpoint when he's trying to get in the car. He's obviously not following the police's orders, and they claim he had a knife in the car. Um, but a police officer with a gun put himself in the position that he was in danger if if there was a knife. Uh, he easily could have taken three steps back and been perfectly safe. Um, so I think the protests are completely justified. I think the shooting was completely unjustified. Did you guys watch it? No. I did not watch that one, but yeah. when I hear someone was shot in the back, I am very much on the side of the person who was shot in the fucking back, because you can't really do much to someone when you're not facing them. Yeah, he's on the passenger side of the car, uh, and in the video I saw, he's he's being he's walking around the front of the car and going to the driver's side, to, seemingly like he's going to get in the car and leave. Um, and there's about there's a, a handful of cops standing around. One guy is following him, basically with the gun in his back. And he reaches, he, he opens the door to the car, and the, the officer shoots him seven times. Jesus. Um, the, the excuse is they thought there was a knife. Uh, and I think there was a knife in the car. Um, and it's true that in that position, he could have grabbed the knife and slashed at the officer with it. But there was no reason for the officer to be standing there. Yeah. You know, he put himself in that position. It was, he easily could have not been there. And if you're going to restrain an unarmed person, like, go ahead and fucking go about restraining them. Don't do this whole holding the gun on them until you feel you have some excuse to shoot it. Yeah, it was just altogether uh, really poor, poor policing. Um, so I'm completely, completely on the side of the protesters on this one. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would, I guess I should say I, I am on the side of persecuting the cop. Not necessarily on the side of the guy, because apparently he did a lot of bad things. But he certainly should not have been freaking shot in the back. Yeah, I don't. I've, I've heard some vague things about that, but I don't really care what he did or didn't do. Um, I just care about that that particular interaction. So there was a revealing Freudian slip there. Inyash, you said you wanted to persecute the cops, uh, not prosecute. Uh, so do you oh. want to <laughs> you want to give Wes a second take of that? Or we can just leave this whole thing in, and it would be a really good goof. That's that's fine with me. Uh, let the record show that Inyash is in favor of persecuting minorities. <laughs> as long as the minority in question is police officers. What's the cop a minority? I mean, they are stri- they are strictly speaking a minority of the U.S. population. All right, that's it's like six hundred thousand of uh, three hundred million. No, uh, the follow-up. Did you guys hear about the follow-up with the uh, kid that went up to um to I think it was Kenosha, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, Kenosha. Yeah, he went up there with his AR-15 to uh, supposedly help defend private property. Which I mean, yeah, first of all, that shit. is yeah, that is like just a Yahoo move of I want to go and get in a gunfight, so. I'm good. I'm gonna do this. That's that's basically that mentality. So, oh, fucking idiot. But um, yeah. he ended up somehow getting in a gunfight. Uh, there's video of him like running away from protesters, and there's gunshots fired into the air. So he shoots back behind himself and hits a guy, kills a guy. Uh, I mean, it, it was it was pretty obviously self-defense, but. I'm thinking at this point, we just had that gun control episode, uh, special patron-only episode that you can listen to if you want. Uh, Gray was on with us last week. Give us money! 
<laughs> yeah, and we we did briefly touch on the fact that like this this is just a problem of having too many guns. Like this should not have happened and it wouldn't have happened if there weren't so many guns around, but once everyone else has them, like if the protesters are carrying guns around, you kind of feel like you got to carry them around too. It's it's one of those prisoner dilemma awful situations or one of those needing school accreditation accreditations to get a job situations where yeah. it'd be better if nobody had to do it, but since everyone else is doing it, what the fuck do you do? Yeah, and if you want to hear our deeply nuanced takes on this, all you need is $10 a month on Patreon. At least one person in the conversation is in favor of people buying tanks. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, it's legal to buy a bazooka. That was very surprising. Yeah, but but yeah. you to find so, out how, you have to listen to the episode. Yes. It's a shame that Or you can I Google was, it, uh, whatever. It's a shame that I was getting towards the tail end of an absolute terrible week otherwise i could have given you guys my galaxy brain suggestion for how to how to do guns that both supports the uh god-given constitutional right of people to buy nuclear weapons and also has that not end terribly hint it involves insurance can you do it real fast right now yeah basically just um let uh let people buy any weapon that they can afford insurance for and if the weapon gets used either by them or by a, a family member or a um or uh someone who steals it then they need to uh they need to pay the fee whereby they i mean the insurance company needs to pay the fee and then let them pay whatever premium they can afford conditional on uh you know, whatever security measures they take and how much, uh, and how dangerous the weapon is. And if someone is strictly only wanting to go hunting, then they can just buy a lever action or hell, even a muzzle loader and, uh, keep it in a gun safe and the insurance will be cheap as chips. And then if they want to buy an honest to God nuclear ICBM, they can, as long as they're okay with a, paying a premium of several billion dollars a year. By the way, I would also make uh, the government, including police and the military, buy the same insurance, and this is the part where I usually lose people, because, like, there's no way that they're gonna do that, but also it would solve a lot of problems with uh, warmongery. Truly a galaxy brain take. Yes. I'm not saying that insurance, like clever insurance schemes, is the solution to literally every problem, but I'm not saying that's not the case. <laughs> so I have a prediction request from you guys. Right. Uh, since I, I would be surprised if this kid did not get off on self-defense charges, considering he was being chased by people with guns. Uh, when that happens, what do you think is going to happen? Like... I'm assuming more riots at the very least. I think that by the time that happens, Joe Biden will be president and a lot of this fervor will have died down. I think there will probably still be protests, but they will not be near the size of the current ones. Hmm. At the very least, it would be good if they could wait until, you know, winter at some point where the weather is very much against people being out. Yeah, if he if he actually gets charged, I'm sure a trial will take that long. Um, the question is going to be if he even gets indicted. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, I don't know, and honestly, I don't really care. Like, the kid's a piece of shit, and um, 
since we do this every time a black person gets shot, I think it's worth bringing up that he does actually have quite an extensive criminal record, um, mostly having to do with mishandling of firearms. Um, so, yeah. Oh, brilliant. I, yeah. Um, I can't remember what exactly it was. I don't think he has any felonies, uh, but he does have, like... Um, some misdemeanors uh, around like negligent discharge, handling firearms while intoxicated, uh, and so on. I can't remember exactly what his rap sheet is, but it's not short. Um, Jesus. So yeah. Well, good thing he was allowed to continue owning guns. Yeah. Yeah. This is a person who would be paying premiums that he could not afford for his gun insurance. <laughs> yeah. If only. Uh... All right. Next story is number 8,372 in our series, The CDC is Lying to You. Uh, This time, they're telling you, uh, you don't need a COVID test if you've been exposed to someone that you know has gotten a positive test. That makes perfect sense. Of course it does. Um, (laughs) The reasoning being that Donald Trump doesn't like positive test results, so uh, we don't want to have them. Uh, is the is, is I, I as far as I can tell, that's why um, there you know a few people have come out to say that this was pressure from Trump directly that led to this uh, rule change or not a rule change but you know change in whatever whatever you call the advice they give um, and uh, that's, that's that's some stupid ass horseshit. Uh, yes, it is on it. Honestly, I need to figure out who's in charge of the CDC and, like, bake them some cookies or something. Because whenever I talked about the CDC before this pandemic, people were like, Oh, no, they're not that bad. Surely libertarians can't be right about the CDC when they were right about drugs and gay marriage and wars. But no, surely the CDC can't be that terrible well, guess fucking what they are. Get off my fucking dick. They are the worst, and we need to purge them. Oh my god, fuck these guys so hard. I think part of the good feelings towards CDC before this was that they are the heroes of just about every zombie movie, and uh, you know that gets you that gets you some cred, even if it's just with the stupid lizard emotional part of the brain that doesn't know that this is a movie. Well, yeah, they're the heroes of the zombie movies, and you don't hear about them other than that. Uh, yeah. Now that they're actually in the news, people are paying attention and like, wow, hey, these CDC guys—they're no, they're not very good at their jobs. If you want to watch a good movie about the cdc the dallas buyers club it is such a great movie it's about uh this guy in texas during the aids pandemic who uh he's straight but he gets aids um and so he starts this uh buyers club where people pay him a subscription and then he gets a bunch of uh prescription but not uh fda and or cdc approved drugs from mexico brings them back and uh gives them to his subscribers and there's this uh absolutely great scene where he calls uh fda or calls the fda personified by one of their representatives a fucking drug dealer and i watch that scene whenever i need to be cheered up anyway sorry (laughs) dallas buyers club really good movie um wasn't there 
wasn't there a time in our past where the government was um, competent, though? Like, nope. I get the intense impression that this used to be a thing adults did. Nah. Doubtful. I mean, like, what what time are you thinking of? When Woodrow Wilson was president? I, I don't know. So, well, so prior to FDR, the federal government was did a lot less. Yeah. Um, they just, there was a lot of stuff they just didn't do, um, and left, and left to state governments, um, which weren't necessarily better at it, but certainly, uh, had less reach. Yeah, but when they did do things, it was things like passing the Fugitive Slave Act, or getting America into World War One. so... Also true. Alright, I can't. <laughs> I'm just having a hard time reconciling my rosy childhood view of a competent government with what I see nowadays. I'm like, did something happen in, in between, or was it always like this? Yes, you started paying attention. Well, and I stopped being taught by agents of the government. True. Indeed. Um, the government used to be more responsive to public opinion. They, they used to do things. Please. Um, public opinion <laughs> is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm not necessarily saying it was better. I'm just saying the big the big innovation in government in the last 30 years is um the tendency for the opposition party to just go full obstruction. Uh that didn't that didn't used to be the case uh before I think before Newt Gingrich in the 90s. Yeah, that's possible. Um but now yeah, uh so you might, you know, if the if the public really wanted something uh, before that, the government usually did it. It's not not that it was a good idea, but it probably made people feel good. Um, now the government basically doesn't do anything except through the executive branch, and the executive branch is bad at a lot of things. Yeah, except the current government also does things when they have bipartisan support. And I swear to God, things having bipartisan support is the strongest Bayesian evidence I know of that that thing is terrible. Like, FOSTA-SESTA... Uh, that's the only example that's coming to mind, right? Uh, immigration restrictions, like, when, when they can get their act t- together and do something, that something is awful. Well, they had that first corona, bi- corona bill that was very bipartisan, and now we don't have a second one, so I guess we'll see which situation is better. Yeah. Well, bear in mind that the uh, good effects of the first coronavirus bill were very much in the scene category, and the bad effects are in the unseen category. So when we go into a hyperinflation five years from now and the world's global reserve currency loses all value and there's a global depression that's a million times worse than what we had in um, April, then we can do the tally. Or maybe that won't happen and I'll be embarrassed, but... uh yeah, I mean that wasn't a super. Either way, you win. But anyway, yeah, yes, um, <laughs> yeah. I I've been um, in my off hours. I've been reading uh, Philip Tetlock's work, and I'm becoming increasingly anxious about the possibility that I might be a hedgehog. A hedgehog? Yeah, it it's it's too much of a tangent for me to explain it now, but. Uh, if you read uh, Super Forecasters okay. or, or Super Forecasting or even better, Expert Political Judgment, um, then it'll make sense. There's like there's going to be like three listeners who have read Expert Political Judgment. Yeah. What's and the other animal you can be? 
a fox. Yeah, okay. So just Google foxes or hedgehogs. Uh, and we, in the meantime, will move on to our next story about uh, Chinese research articles. Ineash, I think this was yours? This was mine. Uh, this is just mind-blowing again to me. Uh, th- there's a Chinese paper mill that has been discovered to just publish fake research articles and get them published in science journals, some of them decent science journals, uh, peer-reviewed ones. They all have to be peer-reviewed because apparently you can't get promoted in China if you're a doctor, like just a straight-up regular physician, uh, without having published peer-reviewed journal articles in peer-reviewed papers, and they just don't have enough time to do research at the same time that they're being fucking doctors, especially uh, the ones that are still very young and working crazy hours. And so they pay a, a paper mill like this to write up a fake research article with fake data and fake uh, slides or whatever it needs and get it published in their name. And then they can go on and have their ha- have their promotion. And it's just it's I, I can't believe they are going around and literally poisoning the well of science with false data and mass and this is like just one small uh, one paper mill there's probably more and there's probably hundreds uh more papers maybe thousands that just weren't caught because these were the really easy to catch ones due to things like um i think it was slides of uh cells some kind of microscope slides uh having backgrounds that were identical because uh, they just reused them and changed the the what, what was in focus uh, it's i i, I don't know if the, how how do you destroy one of the best things that humanity has created by by killing science with uh, with this sort of poison? So I gotta say I I'm actually kind of on the side of the paper mills here because it's one of the dumbest fucking things I've ever heard of to require physicians to publish research because like what I the agree. hell? That, well, I mean I agree that that's one of the dumbest things ever, but. But, yeah, but people in academia have a pretty good sense of which journals are and aren't trash. So, assuming that this journal isn't also publishing good science, which it sounds like they're not, then, like, no one's gonna pay attention to this anyway. And so, like, if they're just doing what they need to, to make sure that the physicians can actually do doctor stuff, despite this stupid terrible fucking rule then i yeah. i'm kind of like hooray the entrepreneurial spirit is still alive in red china the the rule is absolute awful and this is one of the reasons i think the chinese government is horrible i mean that plus the genocide you know but um <laughs> plus the genocide but, uh, the, oh, is that yeah. all? but the point of the paper mill is to yeah, is to get into a uh, least is to get their articles into uh, somewhat respectable journals. They they are not wow. like putting out their own trash one. Like Journal of Cellular Bio- Biochemistry is one of their uh, targets. Journal of Cellular Physiology. I don't know how respected these are because I don't know the shit. But it sounds like they're trying to get into something that at least uh, passes first first glance muster uh, when their bosses look over what journal their articles got into yeah my to me um, it comes down to whether these these fake articles are getting taken seriously by you know people actually doing that work 
Um, if it's sort of a wink and a nod thing where everyone knows it's bullshit, um, then I'm uh, I'm with David. I think that's uh, you know they're, the the well they're poisoning there is the well of credentialism, which uh, go ahead and just poison the shit out of that. Um, but if these are things that are getting into serious journals, I don't know. Maybe that's a useful public service to show that these journals shouldn't be taken seriously. Um, but in the short term, that'll probably mean people just believing, you know, fake studies. Uh, so I, I sort of share Eniash's dismay at that. Yeah. So my, I, I agree that the, the important, um, information is whether or not this is being taken seriously, but even if it is taken seriously, then the bad guys are not the paper mill or the doctors It's the dumb fucks who keep this rule in place. Uh, like, my biggest, honestly, my biggest worry is that this might lead to, like, some institutional racism against uh, Asian immigrants. Because, like, given this, the winning strategy is disregard any uh, papers in a top journal that doesn't have a white person's name on it. Which, like, that'll be a shame. But also, again, the bad guys are not the doctors or the paper mills in that scenario. It's the dumb fucks who keep the rule in place. Well. All right. So our next section, we have some hot gossip from the political realm. Uh, so our serious listeners can, uh, you know, just fast forward past this part. We're going to do some boo out group stuff. <laughs> um, just because so much happened and it is funny. Um, but, you know, normally normally we try to stay away from this stuff and, and talk about stuff that matters. But just too, too much happened in these two weeks. So we're going we're gonna to mention it very briefly. Uh, the first also, one. Without this, we wouldn't have any happy news. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first story is Steve Bannon uh, was arrested for defrauding donors to a uh, fundraising nonprofit called We Build the Wall. Uh, he was apparently soliciting donations to have the wall built between uh, the United States and Mexico. And was just taking that money and spending it on himself. Eniash, uh, do you want to do you want to tell the best part of the story? Uh, well, there's a few best parts. He one of the best parts is that he was arrested by the United States Postal Service. Uh, but my favorite best part is that uh, they landed on a super yacht with helicopters. Apparently, the USPS has a crack team of commandos on their payroll. Uh, of the super yacht of a Chinese billionaire who is a fugitive from China and the leader of his own government in exile aboard that super yacht called the New Federal State of China. So, like, where else would you expect Steve Bannon to get arrested? <laughs> um, so that's oh, that's that was just a hilarious story. And apparent apparently the mail cops are like the people in charge of investigating and prosecuting mail fraud and uh according to ken white from all the president's lawyers like you don't want to fuck around with them uh he's a defense attorney and he said in the most recent episode that like he gets nervous whenever he uh whenever he's defending a client and the um uh i can't remember what they're called but the mail cops are on the other side of the bench that's just that's just crying out. That's just crying out for a TV show. Right. Yeah. 
male cops. That's really crying out for a satirical novel. <laughs> Neither rain, nor, yeah. s- nor snow, <laughs> nor fear of night. <laughs> yeah, after the uh, 2020 riots involve or, um, lead to the defunding and dissolution of all police departments and the FBI, the male cops have to uh, take over all <laughs> criminal investigation in People America. People are yeah, banging on the doors of the post office. The last Let line of in. defense for civil society. Male yeah. cops. Didn't they make a Kevin Costner movie about this? Oh, if only. Okay. okay, so now I really want this to be like an extension of the universe of Snow Crash. Where, like, pizza delivery is the mafia's job, and criminal investigation is the is the post office's job. Yeah, I can see that. It works. Yeah. Did you ever read Jennifer Government? You know what? Again, what? that's a tangent. We can talk about some other day. <laughs> yeah. There's a great book called Jennifer Government that has a similar thing. No, ah. this is the stupid section. Just, just say whatever you want. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Hot gossip number two. Apparently, Jerry Falwell Jr. is a cuck. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No. <laughs> uh, at least, uh, you know, not certainly wouldn't hold that against anyone who didn't demagogue against, uh, you know, deviant sexuality. Yeah. Uh, which, unfortunately, Jerry Falwell Jr. does. So, I... Uh, I just gotta say, if we have uh, any listeners, especially listeners who are uh, in the Discord who do have a cuckoldry fetish, I want to apologize for my behavior over the last couple of weeks. Um, I grew up in the South, and let's just say some of my extended relatives are fans of Jerry Cuckwell Jr., and... I have been delighted to watch him fall because I had to listen to him growing up and it was miserable. So, yeah, sorry about that. I promise I'm not making fun of you and your kink is valid. Unlike Jerry Cuckwell Jr.'s. Yeah, I greatly dislike the man and everything he stands for and has worked for, but I just feel so weird about reporting on this because I'm like, that's that's fine. It, that's that's not a big deal. Everyone should be free to have their own sexual fetish. Like, what the hell, man? I, I just it feels like I'm on the wrong side of this, despite the fact that yeah. you know yeah no the problem he was on the, the problem is, side publicly yeah no the problem is not having a fetish. It's having a fetish while pu- preaching on TV about how having fetishes is evil. Yeah. Best part of this story, it's with the pool boy. Literally with so the cliche. pool boy. It's, <laughs> it's not a euphemism for anything. It was actually the pool boy. All right. And hot oh. gossip number three. Uh, Kellyanne and George Conway both quit their jobs last week, um, ostensibly to spend more time with their family, uh, which actually in this case is probably true because their 15-year-old <laughs> daughter was on Twitter calling them terrible parents. <laughs> and then they both quit. Um, if you don't know, Kellyanne Conway is uh, Trump. I don't even know what her job was. Uh, it was some kind of spokesperson. Uh, and she just, you know, her job was to lie for Trump. And George Conway was a never Trumper who w- 
uh, uh, David, what was he actually doing? Is he running a political action committee or a think tank or something? Uh, so he was a member of the Lincoln Project, which I'm not sure exactly what they are, but like, uh, as far as the tax code is concerned, but they are a, um, uh, they're making a bunch of, uh, pro-Biden ads, uh, but they are never Trump Republicans, so they're uh doing it as they would say the right way uh rather than the out of touch insensitive coastal elite uh democratic way um of so course. yeah but they're they're sort of famous for uh for Kellyanne going out and saying things and then George Conway uh tweeting about what a liar she is <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah well, so uh you know, their kink is valid, too. That's fine. <laughs> um, but just uh, kind of a funny story. And I do feel sorry for their daughter. Yeah, I... I. So I'm a little bit worried about this, because if we're getting to the point where teenagers can't gripe about their parents without their parents getting canceled, then cancel culture might actually genuinely be out of control to an untenable degree. I'm not right. sure they got canceled though. They quit of their own volition. It's it. It makes me wonder, like, what's going on in that house when they decided they have to quit immediately because of this. Yeah, the happy the the happy interpretation of this is they realized that they were not being good parents. Uh, came together and were like, you know what? We're gonna do what's best for our child. And uh, you know, uh, you get the Dickens ending where from that day onward, they <laughs> were the best parents a child could hope for. Hmm. Probably not, but, you know, a guy can hope. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, that concludes our uh, political gossip section. Uh, thanks for sticking around through that. And now we just have a uh, another unimportant story, uh, but this one's not really at, at anyone's expense. It's just funny. I mean, uh, it's at your expense if you are a speaker of the Scots language. You should probably introduce this story so our listeners know what that actually means. <laughs> but yeah, I, I am actually friends with one of the 200 people who speak Scots Gaelic, so uh, we'll talk about that after you introduce this story. Oh, interesting. Okay, uh, well, I can give a quick uh, whack. Uh, there's Wikipedia um, sites, mirrors in many, many languages. Uh, one of them is Scots, I guess. Is that... The official name of the language, Scots? Uh, Scots Gaelic? Yeah, so you can call it either one. Um, so there's uh, several different Gaelic languages, Scots Gaelic, Irish Gaelic. Um, they're different languages in the sense that, like, Spanish and Portuguese are different languages. Um, okay. And um, so, yeah, you, you, strictly speaking, Gaelic is, like, the, lang the family, and I'm pretty sure that... You can refer to either Scots or Scots Gaelic, um, but I'm not sure. So this particular Wikipedia mirror, the Scots language version, uh, every single article on it is written by the same person. That person is an American teenager who cannot speak Scots at all and just took the English articles and swapped individual words one for one with a uh, English to Gaelic translation tool on Google. I'm assuming Google. Maybe it was some other uh, web resource. And uh, yeah, nobody nobody knew this for quite a while. Uh, is that so? So did you 
do you do you confirm that that's actually what happened? Because when I heard about this story, it was that he just like just just sort of typed in what he thought a Scottish accent would sound like. <laughs> I don't that's know that, that any translation <laughs> software was actually used. Oh God. Yeah, I did not go so far as to confirm that he used software. I mean, that does sound like what someone would make up if they were making up a more mimetically fit version of this story. Not necessarily telling it truthfully, but also that's pretty hilarious. Uh, so, so yeah, um, my, uh, my high school Spanish teacher, uh, Jack Knipe, um... Really cool guy. He's, um, he is from, so his mom is a Scottish immigrant, I believe. And he's, like, ridiculously good at learning languages. I think he speaks, like, more than a dozen. Um, and one of the languages he speaks is Scots Gaelic. And he kind of lost his shit on Facebook when this story came out. (laughs) Um, so... I honestly don't care that much, but um, but I care because I love Jack, and uh, I don't like to see him sad. Uh, maybe we'll have him on a future bonus episode to talk about Scott's Gaelic and why it's a bad thing to uh, write Wikipedia articles in languages you don't speak. <laughs> All right. And that brings us to happy news. We only have one story this week, but it's a pretty cool one. Eniash, do you want to uh, give this one? Sure. Uh, If you're like me, you grew up waiting for the day that you could put your cyber gun, jack it directly into your brain, and then your trigger finger would pull automatically when you were looking at the thing you wanted to shoot, uh, because that gave you plus bonuses to your die rolls. Um, And we are a little closer to that future now, because... um, Elon Musk has been working on this Neuralink project. You've probably already heard of it. But a few days ago, I think it was last week, he made a rather public presentation. Uh, It's on YouTube now. Uh, where they miniaturize this thing down. Apparently, uh, people have been able to read action potentials in the brain for quite a while using a larger, somewhat clunkier device, and he is working on getting it shrunken down. He's made it so it can be implanted in the skull uh, in a small little coin-sized thing that uh, is not noticeable at all if you have hair. Um, It it looks like pretty neat technology. Uh, I'm still not sure how useful it's going to be, do the whole body immuno-reaction thing that seems to happen with Ineash, these things. Ineash, you're burying the lead here. He put them in pigs! Okay, he put them in pigs. Pigs have Neuralinks, and they were doing stuff with them. They they were predicting where the pigs' legs were at any given moment on a treadmill, and were pretty darn close. Yeah, he did a whole presentation. It was very cool. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I'm looking forward to our cyborg future. Me too. The weirdest thing is... I, I really annoys me when people make outsized promises. One of the questions was oh, oh, like, "You are not going to be a fan of Elon Musk." Then <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good point. It's one of the in the question and answer section, someone asked like, "Can we uh, read and store uh, memories using this?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, at some point we'll be able to read your entire brain and save your consciousness onto a chip, and then download it again later into a different body or into a, maybe a computer." Or a robot. And I'm like, oh my god, Musk. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, at some point. Uh, not using this technology, but, you know. <laughs> sometime in the future, we will be able to do that. Yeah. 
<laughs> what are you even doing? You're giving oh, them ammo. Elon. Oh, that's how he got in trouble on Twitter. Uh, oh, he got right. like he got sued by the SEC for making I think fake promises about self-driving cars. Yeah, and they're like that's um that's market manipulation when you do that. But I'm putting this under happy news because I'm really looking yeah. forward to have like cybernetic replacement limbs or just being able to control computers' thoughts with my brain. Yeah, this thing Not is, this is very cool. And I, I encourage you to go uh, go watch the presentation um, because uh, it's cool. Uh, you get to see how awkward Elon Musk actually is. And oh, also, yeah. it features pigs. <laughs> they're really pretty cute. Yeah, they're very cute pigs. <laughs> So, fun fact, I have a uh, cousin who's actually working in this area, and um, maybe we can have him on a future bonus episode as well. Uh, he actually got into a fight with Robin Hansen on my Facebook about cryonics and whether it would work, and they were talking oh. about, like, wanting to do a public debate at some point, but I don't know if that ever happened. But maybe we'll host that as well on our Patreon. Give us money. Yeah, I'll offer right now. Uh, you can have that debate on the Mind Killer. Okay, that cool. Sounds awesome. And David, after this is done, I have to Facebook friend you because if you have those kinds of people having debates on your wall, I want to watch. I'm yeah. pretty sure and, we're uh, already Facebook friends, but sure. And did you say? Did you say it was your cousin? Yes. Okay. We'll just have him um, upload his brain to a chip, <laughs> and we'll download it and have the uh, the the debate with a simulation will be fine. okay sure and if you give us 200 bucks a month we'll also send you a copy of that file <laughs> all right that brings us to troop deployments as we all know politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers so in that vein we invite each of our three hosts to send out a soldier onto the battlefield and this week we will start with eniash all right my soldier is a lot more literal this week uh <laughs> I've mentioned guns a lot this episode, and uh, I think this was one of the reasons why it's been on my head. Anyways, we had the gun control episode with Gray recently on my other podcast. I talked about how to uh, use and uh, get guns, and really what I'm trying to say to people here, if cases wasn't clear yet, get, get a gun. Like, for real, go out, get uh, a shotgun, something cheap, something sturdy and reliable, get a gun safe to put it in, so you will hopefully never, ever, ever have to use it in your life, but... If you ever are at a situation where you need a gun, uh, at that point it is too late to go out and get one. Uh, that's kind of inherent to the problem. So, you know, remember the Boy Scouts marching song and be prepared. All right, David. Yeah, so uh, my troop this uh, episode is the Pop and Lock podcast. Uh, it's P-O-P ampersand L-O-C-K-E. Um, this is a uh, pop culture podcast slash movie review podcast put out by libertarianism.org uh they bring on guests to every episode uh from around the uh libertarian public intellectual circuit um in particular i want to uh recommend the first episode i listened to from them which we will put in the show notes it is their episode about dr strange love or how i learned to stop worrying and love the bomb and um they brought in a bunch of people from the cato institute's foreign policy department uh if you have taken up my recommendation to listen to power problems 
Uh, their most recent episode was actually a repost of this episode. Uh, and it was just really fun because it's a bunch of people who really know a lot about foreign policy and write about how hair trigger nuclear uh, launches are terrible and going to destroy the planet literally as their jobs talking about how great Dr. Strangelove is. Um, so yeah, and the entire, like the rest of the, um, the rest of the, um, uh, catalog that I've listened to has been pretty good. Uh, they are definitely not just like reflexively critical, um, even when they're talking about media that I think is pretty bad, like, uh, the Hunger Games, they, they stay very positive, which I like, uh, they're also not, like, the, uh, sort of borderline alt-right libertarians, like, they have episodes on the Disney princesses and Little Women, which are just, like, unambiguously positive and pro, uh, let's call it freedom feminist, um, so yeah, it's a great show, um, good podcast, um, it's not one of those ones where I'd say, like, if you're listening to us and not to them, you're wasting your time, because it is very different from this podcast, but, uh, yeah, I've enjoyed it, it's got enough episodes to be bingeable, and, uh, yeah, it's quite good. All right, and my troop deployment this week is that rioting is bad and counterproductive. Um, I'm going to reference a story. It actually came out at the end of June. It was a man named David Shore who was uh, working for a data analysis firm. He tweeted out a study that showed uh, that nonviolent protests were much more effective than violent ones at getting political results. Um, and he seems to have gotten fired for that. Uh, he has a non-disclosure agreement, so he can't say... Um, and nobody, people are being really tight-lipped about it, but it appears he was fired for tweeting that out, and he took a lot of criticism for it. Um, but the um, the research seems to be legit, and I think in our when we talked first about you know some of the protests and riots going on, I think we weren't quite as forceful uh, or as clear as uh, as I intended to be about how we actually what our position is on. Uh, rioting and looting and i just want to stay here unequivocally that it is bad people should not do it um and that while i i from all accounts the vast majority of the protesters um uh who are protesting against the police are non-violent and are not looting and are not indiscriminately burning and destroying non-government property um there are uh, unfortunately uh, a number of people who are and uh they should not do that uh not only for the obvious reasons but also because it uh hurts the cause um and that is um not it is much more effective if your protest is non-violent uh it appears from from the times they've tried to study this all right so that's our show um if you liked it give us a review on whatever uh platform it is you're using to listen um we have all of our links in the show notes to uh, be able to follow us so you'll get all of our episodes if you support us on patreon you'll get access to all of our bonus episodes um and come back in two weeks same rat time same rat channel bye bye